need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers. Let's say that's the bad guy. <laughs> I thank the Lord for my many blessings. Don't stress and keep a vest for protection. From the barrel of a Smith and Wesson. And all my niggas in the pen, here we go again. Ain't nothing separating us from a Mac 10. Born in the ghetto as a hustler. Hold up, straight soldier. Bucking at some busters. No matter how you try, niggas never die. We just retaliate with hate, then we multiply. See me striking down the block, getting comes. Mobbing like a motherfucker, living like I'm growing. Ain't no stopping at the red lights. I'm sideways, sub lights, motherfucker, crawl pace. Let the cops put their lights on. Chase me, nigga, zigzag it through the freeway. Race me, nigga, in a high speed chase with the law. The realest motherfucker that you ever saw. Say goodbye to the bad guy. Everybody got a Say goodbye to the bad guy. Everybody got a fuck. 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 Alone on my own, I'm a criminal Got no love from the household I'm out cold on the streets Screaming motherfucking peace I got nothing to lose Something to prove What do I do? Little thug life niggas stay true I wonder when they kill me Is there heaven for a real G? Lord forgive me if you feel me Cause all my life I was dirt broke With no hope Little skinny motherfucker want dope I hate to cut a sucker with my razor blade But every day is a struggle to get made to pay Say goodbye to the bad guy Everybody got a problem Girl I'm bunch of fucking ass Say goodbye to the bad guy Everybody got a problem You don't have the guts to be where you wanna be Say goodbye to the bad guy Everybody got a problem Say goodbye to the bad guy So you can point your fucking fingers I say that's the bad guy The only way to change me is maybe blow my brains out Stuck in the middle of the game You get the pain out Pray to my God every day But he don't listen The poverty bothers me My mama's working wonders in the kitchen Listen, knocking they were crying in the bedroom Praying for money, whatever, get what she be living Jamie, Am I wrong? But wishing I was somewhere else At 13, can't feed myself can I blame daddy cause he left me? Wish she would've hugged me too much like him. So my mama don't love me on my own at an early age. I'm getting paid and I'm shut so I never be afraid. What did I go astray? I'm hanging in the back streets, running with G's and dope fiends where they jack me. Can't turn back. My eyes on the prize. I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose. Say to the bad guy. Everybody got a fire. Girl, I'm bunch of fucking ass. Say goodbye to the bad guy. Everybody got a fire. You don't have the guts to be one. Where you wanna be? Say goodbye to the bad guy. You need people like me. Say goodbye to the bad guy. So you can point your fucking fingers and say that's the bad guy. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Yeah, you know what the fuck this is. You in the mix with my homeboy, DJ Mimo. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again. Yo, so Cage Wars 161 Hughes versus Quay Hagens takes place this Saturday, the 14th of October with a 1.30 p.m. Eastern start time. Be broadcasting on UFC Fight Pass, the prelims and the main card. And the card has 11 fights in total. It's being held in Dublin, Ireland, as I said before. No belts on the line, but some fighters you might recognize. For example, Mason Jones, former UFC fighter. And it's like former. He's only 12 and 2. How is he a former 
But uh, he's working his way back. We'll talk about his fight. And then the main event, Paul Hughes versus Jan Quay Higgins, which is what the name of the card is, right? Uh, Ryan Shealy, kind of a well-known name over there. James Sheehan, as you can tell, a lot of Irish fighters. Paddy, Leon, Taka Mandu, who's not Irish looking, but nonetheless flies the flag. A lot of Irish fighters. I am favoring a lot of the hometown kids here. Cage Wars, if you don't know, is one of, it's like the junior college for UFC. They produce a lot of good talent that moves on to the UFC. They're very open about that relationship. They broadcast on UFC Fight Pass. So there's obviously some kind of a, a big brother relationship there with the UFC. Most of these guys, if they're interviewed, can tell you point, point blank, yes, I'm trying to get to the UFC at some point. That's the ultimate goal, right? Let's go ahead and start with the first fight on the card. And I'm going to need a moment here just to pull up my notes, right? Because I, I, I need my notes, right? That would be helpful. And I also have... <laughs> I just realized I have the wrong Excel sheet up too. If you go over to our Google Drive, there are Excel sheets available for UFC Fight Night, US Yusef versus Barbosa, and then Cage Wars 161. When I say Excel sheets, I mean data sheets which have data in them, you know, things that we've looked up, things that we've found. And so those things are free. They're available. The links are available through our newsletter, which should encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. There's a free version and a paid version. The free version though provides all of these things. All right, Cage Warriors 161, all right. And if you are a newsletter subscriber, you will notice that this came out at 8.30 this morning, I believe, or 9 o'clock this morning. The newsletter went out 9, 9 a.m. Eastern time, New York City time. And then it did not include the odds because the odds were not out until later today, today being Thursday. When the odds came out, we logged back into the newsletter. We updated the odds that were available in there. So if you're getting your newsletter information from us via the Substack app, then you could just go back in there, refresh, whatever, and you'll see the updated information. If you're getting our newsletter via email, I get it both, both ways, of course. I'm trying to double check everything's all right. But if you're getting it via email, that email is the way it is. You're not going to see an update to the email, which is the reason why I would strongly encourage you to get the Substack app on your phone because there you're seeing the updates to the newsletter, which means like our tip sheet, the result of the tip sheet additional odds being added uh like in the original breakdown of some of our write-ups you'll see there's no odds for certain props because they're just not out yet but when they do come out we pretty religiously go back there update all that stuff so just a reminder again if you're getting our newsletter via email you're not seeing that if you're getting it via Substack, you can see it you can refresh all right so let's go here to this first fight let's get to business and share this tab nick bagley versus michael quinn I'm going to warn you, some of these fight breakdowns are going to be very concise and to the point, and here's one of them. Part of the reason being is the parameters of this fight are pretty straightforward. You've got a guy in Michael Quinn who, that's obviously not him, that's Chuck Norris, <laughs> um, and you've got Nick Bagley there on the left-hand side. Basic information here, three and one for Nick Bagley, zero and zero as a professional for Michael Quinn. He did have an amateur record, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, three and one again for Nick Bagley. He's from England, 26 years old. This guy, Michael Quinn, we don't know much about him. He's from Northern Ireland, no age listed on him. I didn't run around and do a bunch of research on him because once I looked back at his amateur record, I kind of saw what I needed to see and I kind of figured out, hey, this is a fight where they're trying to give Nick Bagley <laughs> pretty much um, a, a somewhat of a, I wouldn't say a, a cakewalk, but just an easier opponent to allow him to kind of, you know, get, get started here. He's only three and one, right? He only has had a few fights. Okay, as for my notes here, so Nick Bagley by round one submission is my prediction. He's currently lined at minus 650. Quinn's plus 400. I do want to say all the breakdown notes you hear right now on this breakdown video were pre-odds. Okay, so the odds did come out afterwards. So we'll share those odds with you throughout the breakdown. But again, these breakdown notes were before the odds. So we did like Nick Bagley a lot based upon our analysis. We have him by round one submission. 
Quinn's making his pro debut. Okay, whatever's. But he went six and seven as an amateur. And considering his inconsistent amateur record, lack of pro experience, it's just really difficult to side with a guy who appears to be the guy coming in. Now, this fight's not being held in Manchester or England, and Nick Bagley's from there. This is being held in Ireland. But, you know, there's that symbiotic relationship between those boys up in Ireland and the guys down in Manchester. At the same time, of course, Michael Quinn's from Northern Ireland. It just, I don't imagine he's going to get a bunch of fan support. It's the first fight in the car. I think Nick Bagley is the guy. Bagley's 2-1 in Cage Wars, has at least established so far as a professional that he can hang and he can kind of do his thing. Michael Quinn, we can't say that so much for him. When the line comes out, we expect Bagley to be a large favorite. Look at that. That's right in our notes there. And he did open up as a minus 650 favorite. Under 1.5 rounds, the fight does not go the distance. And Bagley, by submission, do not, do not parlay rookies like Nick Bagley. I know I'm saying rookie as in, like, not as for his rodeo, but do not parlay young men like this at minus 650. They're very well, it could be a big surprise. You know, we just don't know. We don't know enough about Mike Quinn, but minus 650 wasn't Adesanya minus 670 against Sean Strickland. Just saying. Sometimes these odds get a little bit wacky. But Bagley should win. He'll probably be a popular parlay piece. Not for me, though. Under 1.5 rounds, the fight does not go the full distance. And Bagley, by submission of the, of the spots that I'll be looking at, I will forewarn you, we're DraftKings people here. DraftKings and FanDuel are the main books we use. You're going to have to get into some other books to be able to get those prop bets because DraftKings does not usually offer anything more than maybe the over two and a half you know, rounds. Uh, they're not really usually offering the specific prop bets. So. Again, Bagley by round one submission is the pick. Let's go ahead and move on to the next fight. Solomon Simon versus Marco. I'll do the best I can here. Uh, Marco Saraz Jarvi. Uh, I'll do the best I can. I'm just going to call him Marco. Okay, so next fight, Solomon Simon versus Marco. Featherweight bout, 145 pounders. Now, for these two guys here, this is a fight that uh, may be one of the more even fights on the fight card. Um, I am going to tell you right off the bat that I do like Solomon Simon to win this fight by a round two knockout. As for the details, there's not much to share here. These guys only have five fights combined, two and zero for Solomon, three and zero for Marco. Solomon is representing Ireland. <laughs> you know, obviously he's African-American, probably immigrated at some point. Or I, should, I, I just call him African-American? What a dumbass. How can he be African-American if he's not American? Yikes. Um, he looks like he might be of African descent. I mean, in a very polite way. Up against Marco, who hails from Finland. So, you know, guys that are very inexperienced, 28 years old here for Solomon, five foot nine for both guys. And uh, all right, let's go from there to our breakdown and just get right to it. We do not have a ton of confidence here either way. We're going with Solomon by round two knockout. This is a coin flip. This would be one of the fights where I would not bet it either way. I'm just looking at the unders here. I'm looking at the violence. If you look at their records, what they're doing, I think all five fights combined, they've been to decision maybe one time. So, you know, violence is is in their DNA. They're both trying to prove a point. They're both fairly young. I think the under one and a half is a good spot to start with. You're probably going to get a good return there, maybe around minus 120 to minus 125, I would imagine. The fight no distance probably gets a little bit richer. Now we're talking about minus 300 range. I do expect some violence here. And then Simon by KO. But I, look, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at these fights. <laughs> I had a busy schedule this week. Based upon the surface here, without watching film on either guy, I am going to edge Solomon ever, ever so slightly. And I'm happy to say the line agrees with me. So this was my prediction and my breakdown before this fight came out, featherweight bout. But the line comes out at Solomon with minus 175, Marco plus 130. That makes sense. I could even rationalize maybe lower, like Solomon minus 155, minus 160 range, because ultimately this is a pick em, boys and girls. Look forward to the fight. It should be 
one if not one of two very close fights in the card most of this card is one-sided fights but this fight right here will be good looking forward to it on that note let's go ahead here and move on to the next matchup next two fighters here sean clancy jr versus milton afonso cabral whenever i hear the name clancy i think of the with tom clancy the author you know mr uh, very very good author has had a bunch of movies made from his books anyway welterweight bout 170 pounders Two guys, again, with not a ton of experience. In the case of Milton, he's 4-3. and three. You got 2-0 and zero for Sean Clancy. Let me give you the pick right now before we get into the breakdown. First things first, there are no odds yet available for this fight. It's 2.17 p.m. Eastern time here, New York City time on Thursday. I imagine sometime in the next 24 hours, the odds will come out, and I imagine Clancy would be the proverbial favorite here. A welterweight bout. We've got Sean Clancy by round one knockout. That is our prediction. In terms of records, you got 2-0 and zero for Clancy, 4-3 and three for Cabral. Cabral represents Portugal, whereas Clancy represents Scotland, and Clancy's out of high... I don't know why I just said Scotland like I'm from Scotland. <laughs> Such an idiot sometimes. Scotland is the country he represents. Higher-level martial arts is the gym that uh, Clancy's out of. And so, okay, let's go right here into our, our notes on these two fighters. So Clancy by round one knockout is our prediction. Cabral's 1-2 in his last three fights. He's been finished in two of his last three defeats. And at four and three, he's barely hovering above 500, right? So these are just the general optics. Clancy Jr., though, went eight and one as an amateur. And this is super important because he only has two pro fights. I'm sorry. He only has three pro fights, right? Three and zero. No, two and zero. I said three and zero, I think, before. I meant two and zero. Um, but anyway, so the eight and one record as an amateur shows you that consistency is there. You know, winning is a habit. He obviously was on a winning track. So if you combine the amateur and pro ranks, he's ultimately what, 10 and 1 in terms of his total fights as a mixed martial artist, right? He's looking to extend his professional record to 3 and 0 to go perfect. On paper, he appears to be the much better fighter with the higher upside. That's on paper. I'm going to go I'm going to be blunt here. You see white kid looks younger and you see this this black dude who's got some chest tattoos, got the dreads going. And look, I've coached sports for years. I'm just talking from an educated perspective. From time to time, when you have to just look at them face value, you have to acknowledge, you know, sometimes African-American, African-based athletes, athletes who have that DNA, they're explosive and they're athletic. And so that's my only concern here. I've not seen Milton fight. This appears to be a fight clearly where Sean Clancy is a young man they're trying to develop in Cage Wars, build him up. They've got somewhat of an investment in him. Here they're bringing a guy from Portugal, right, over here across the pond to Ireland. You got a kid from Scotland. It, It just, you know... Cage Warriors, I'll say this again probably throughout the breakdown, they tend to really match up their kids that they, nice kids, younger prospects with winnable fights. That's the whole thing. Let's build their records up here. Eventually, they have to fight people. I'm not saying they give them a whole padded experience, but here's the concept. Let's build them up a little bit. This seems like that fight, but let's see if Milton Alfonso Cabral, King B, can come in here and disrupt some things. When lines open up, I'm going to have Sean Clancy minus 350 range and Milton like plus 275. That's going to be my guesstimate when the line does come out. But again, Sean Clancy by round one knockout is my prediction. That's what I'm going with. All right, let me move on here to the next fight. Interesting name for these two guys, or interesting name for the for the one guy here. His name is Jur. Is that short for something? Jur Harris and Ryan Hewitt. Oh, my apologies. Got my, my dog back here in the background barking. So Jer Harris and Ryan Hewitt, a flyweight bout, 125 pounders. Before I get to the breakdown, I'll tell you that I do like Jer Harris by round one submission. That is my pick. This is going to be one of the more one-sided fights in the card. I, I'm not really sure why the line is where it's at. 
Um, and I'm going to double check that again right now because I just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think Jer Harris, who goes by GTA Selector, I'm not really sure what GTA is that a video game reference. I don't know, but I'm double checking the line right now. He's still minus 125, and Ryan Hewitt minus 105. So, yeah, I'm a little confused. I do like Jer Harris here quite a bit, and um, I'll get into the breakdown. All right, so Jer Harris is three and one overall. He's from Dublin, so he's going to be fighting in front of the home crowd. He's not very big at five foot three from SBG Charleston. Very good gym. And for Ryan Hewitt, coming over from England, he's one and one as a professional, has some amateur experience. We'll talk about that in a moment. One and one as a pro. Listen, you can't overreact, overreact to that either way. He's had two fights, you know, done his job in one fight, you know, lost the other one. He's had a fearless MMA, no height listed on him, and no age for either guy. And I didn't do any homework on that. If you know their ages, feel free to comment below as to how old these guys are. I would estimate their you know, case of Jer Harris. He looks like he's under 30 based upon that photo. Ryan Hewitt, maybe around 30. I'm not so sure. All right, breakdown here of these two guys. So our prediction is Jer Harris by round one submission. This, this in our opinion, one-way traffic. Harris is a hot prospect from Ireland, and I mean hot as in good at fighting, not, not his looks, boys and girls. <laughs> he's from Ireland. Uh, plenty of fan support is going to be in the house for him, right? He's earned seven submission wins between amateur and his pro record. So jiu-jitsu is definitely in his wheelhouse. It's only getting better. And I expect to see him finish Ryan Hewitt here by submission. For Hewitt, here's the thing. He's one and one in a pro, as a pro, but he went two and seven as an amateur. Now, I understand that's amateur. You want to get some experience. It's not on your pro record, whatever, whatever. It's kind of like when you're in middle school. Those grades don't count towards your high school application yet. So it's like, I don't want to hold this two and seven record completely against Hewitt, but I don't have much to go off of. And I didn't do film study on him. And that's maybe the one area that I'm lacking here. I'm not going to talk about his striker. Or, I don't know those things. But going two and seven as an amateur is a bit of a red flag. Now he's one and one as a pro. So it's not as if he's coming in here as a pro and then turned over a new leaf. And now he's two and oh or three and oh. Um, he's coming off of a round two knockout loss at Cage Warriors 151. I think a win here by Hewitt would be a big upset in my head, not according to the line. <laughs> this line is either spot on and I'm missing something here, something else is going on, or Hewitt's more formidable than I'm giving credit for, or this might be the best line of the night, best line of the night. Jer Harris straight up at minus 125. So uh, not much more to say here, but the under 1.5 rounds is a spot I like. The fight does not go the distance, and then Harris by submission, Mr. Jer Harris is the pick. Let's keep it moving. Okay. Next up, Taka Mahandu versus Alexander Sasha Pirev. Uh, Mr. Pirev saw him fight not too long ago, and it didn't, didn't really go very well for him, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. So Taka Mahandu versus Alexander Sasha Pirev. It's a 135-pound bantamweight bout. Taka Mahandu goes by the cat. He's 3-2 and two overall. Alexander Sasha Pirev goes by Alessandro. I must be his like alter ego, his Spanish or his Brazilian Alessandro. <laughs> it's basically your name, dude, with another, you know, a little bit of a dialect on there. He's six, four and one overall. Not great. Representing Moldova. doesn't look Moldovan, by the way. Anyway, and uh, Mandu is representing Ireland. So he will have some fan support. Let's get into the breakdown here. Taka Mahandu by round one knockout. I deep breath because Taka Mahandu by round one knockout is my pick, but neither guy here is very reliable. And I'm not going to say, well, Alessandro is very old, and so I just can't bet because he's old. That's not the only reason I'm going to pass on him. Takamahandu is is uh, it's like when it's good, it's good, and when it's bad, it's bad. So it's it's one of those things where I'm picking him, 
but you're not putting your rent money on this. You're not, you know, you're not putting your cell phone bill money on this. You're not, uh, he's minus 350 too. So it's, it's a little bit scary. Alexander Pierov at plus 240. I hate to say it. That's pretty, it's justified that he's a dog. Maybe not that much of a dog, but it's kind of justified. By the way, his profile pitch on Tapology makes him look a little bit younger than he is. It's a good pitcher. All right. So Bantamweight bout, 135 pounders. Taka Mahandu by round one knockout is, I need to take a drink of this water or this juice. All right. So neither guy's very reliable. Mahandu at, le at least enters his fight off of a knockout win compared to Piriev, who hasn't had his hand raised in five years. Five years it's been since this guy won a fight. Now, furthermore, the only fight that Piriev fought in the last five years, he lost that fight by a round one knockout. And that was earlier this year. To make matters a little more concerning or worse for Alexander, Alessandro, is he 38 years old? He just turned 38 years old. And that's that's older in general for an athlete, mixed martial artist, but also for a bantamweight. It's, uh, it's the equivalent of like a 45, 46-year-old heavyweight, to be honest with you. So, all right. Mahandu, unpredictable, has durability issues. His last four fights, none of those went the full distance. That's the good news because it's like, oh, he's a, a finisher, right? Yeah. Well, he won two of those fights by finish, and then he got knocked out and submitted. I'm sorry, he got knocked out in the other two fights, right? For what it's worth, Mahandu did go 6-0 and zero as an amateur, so he did have some amateur experience and did well there. All that said, we're siding with Mahandu, in essence, because of the age issue. That's really the biggest issue is that Alessandro is a little bit older and that he's coming off of a loss, whereas Mahandu's coming off of a win. It's not the, the, the best way to hang your hat in a bet, and at minus 350, he's probably going to be a parlay piece. I don't know we get there. I don't know we get him into a parlay because at minus 350, he adds some value, of course. But we're talking about a volatile situation. And Alessandro, who's been around the block, you know, he could pull off some shit. Next thing you know, we get him by knockout, right? The best spots here, I think, betting-wise, are like the fight no distance, the under 1.5 rounds. And if you like in Mahandu, it's by knockout. He's not going to go up in here and jump around for three rounds, get a decision. So the pick is Taka Mahandu, the cat, El Gato, by round one knockout over the aging Alessandro Sasha Pirev. All right, moving up the card, Patty McCory. As soon as I saw the name Patty, I'm like, oh, oh Patty the Patty. Expect that when he's walking to the octagon and expect maybe Patty Pimlet to be in the house. You know, he loves coming to Cage Warriors events. They love him. They probably pay him to come to these events at this point. But anyway, Patty McCory versus Samir Cotty. A little bit bigger here, guys. Middleweight bout, 185 pounders. And Samir Caddy, here's a guy we're going to talk a little bit about, but this could be a little bit of a dark horse on this fight card. I do like Patty McCory to win. I have Patty McCory by round one submission, so I like him quite a bit. The market likes him too, minus 225 on the line. Currently, Samir Caddy at plus 163. In terms of records, Patty McCory is 3-1 overall. He's from West Belfast, Ireland, so of course, going to have the home crowd behind him. Going to be 26 years old soon out of Fight Academy, Ireland. For Samir Caddy, he's 27 out of Chaos Squad. Based out of France, he's 4-1 and one overall. Okay, that's what we have in these two guys in terms of their initial look on, on their topology profiles. As for our notes, so Patty McCory by round one submission is our pick. Caddy hasn't fought, okay? Not Patty, Caddy, Samir Caddy, hasn't fought in a minute. Though he looks pretty good on film, we did watch him on film, and he has an impressive physique, nice long frame. Cage time is hard to quantify. It's invaluable for inexperienced fighters. Now, when you're an older fighter, like a John Jones is a good example, Henry Cejudo, those guys can be at the cage for a minute. 
You know, they've got that logged encyclopedia of knowledge and experience. It's sort of, I use the bicycle reference. I haven't ridden a bike in a minute. I don't know. Maybe it's been whatever, a year since I rode a, rode a bike, maybe two years. I don't know. But if I got on a bicycle, I would just ride it. Like it's no big deal. You ask a little four or five-year-old kid who never rode a bike before how to ride a bike and they, they're just falling. They just can't get the concept of like, yeah, you just got to move, get the momentum going. I got off track with that, <laughs> that example. You get my point here is that long layoffs for younger fighters have a completely different effect. I can also give you examples of young fighters who've taken long layoffs and they came back and looked amazing because they needed to lay off. They needed to develop and train and just stop fighting all the time. So it, it's a double-edged sword. In this case here, it is a bit of a red flag here with, with, with um, my man, Cotty. Um, his two-year layoff, two-year layoff, that to me was enough to say, I'm going to fade him here in this spot. McCory is coming off of a dominant round one knockout early this year. Prior to that, he dropped his first pro fight by decision to James Webb. So here it's like, okay, that's a qualifier for me. That's a little bit of mark in. The, it's, 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 a, it's a positive mark in his experience as a fighter. I know he can hang with James Webb, and James Webb is a pretty good cage warriors fighter. I'm not saying James Webb is world class. I'm not saying James Webb's going to win the UFC title one day. I'm just saying at nine five and one, Webb is a veteran, okay, and he's a guy who's tough. And for McCory to lose that fight by decision is nothing more to me than invaluable learning experience, the experience that Samir Caddy hasn't had. All right, all that shit said, all that out there. Caddy's a pretty good fighter. He could disrupt the situation here. He could pull off the victory. And so if you're looking for a dog, this one's alive and well. I like Patty McCourty to win the fight by round one submission. Betting spot that I feel really good about for this fight. Under 1.5, the fight does not go the full distance. And then if McCourty were to win, I believe it's by submission. Let's move on to the next fight on the card. We're up now to the main card. And this name right here, Mr. Davies' name, I had spelled it incorrectly initially, and I had put it up with an L, and it's not an L. It's I-E-U-A-N Davies. So it's like Iuan, I believe. Iuan Davies versus Leon Hill. Welterweight bout, 170 pounders. This is the second fight. I mentioned to you guys before, it was the solemn, which fight was it earlier? There was a fight earlier I said doesn't be very, very good and close. This one is the other one. This one right here has all the makings of a really good fight. Just put it that way. Welterweight bout, 170 pounders. Eon, 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 Eon. Man, Iowan. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this kid's name. I just called him Iowan. <laughs> I'm gonna just say Mr. Davies. All right, Mr. Davies. He's three and zero. You like that? Leon Hill. He's a uh, six and one. Goes by the Hitman. Let me go over here to my pick first of all. So we do like this first fight. The main card. We do like Leon Hill by round one submission. Excuse me, that is my pick. But uh, this Davies kid is good, and the Davies kid has a little more experience than when you first look at his record. He's out of the UK, six foot one, black legend MMA. All talking about Davies here. So some good credentials. As for Leon Hill from Ireland, I have some hometown support from Team KF Martial Arts, and um, no age in these two fighters. All right, let's go over to my notes. So Leon Hill by round one submission is the pick. Hill's a well-rounded fighter from Ireland. I'll have some support there. All six of his wins are by finish, four by knockout and two by submission. Thing about this guy is he lost his pro debut and now just ripped off a six-fight winning streak. You love that. It's not how you start, it's how you finish type of thing. So you like the fact that he dealt with that first loss, turned things around, is looking pretty good. For Davies, off to a very good start in his young career, obviously three and zero. He finished all of his opponents as professional and he went seven and one as an amateur. This is very important to see this. He doesn't have to three three fights. He's got eight fights under his belt. Now, though we're picking Hill to win, we would not be surprised in the least bit if Davies pulls this off. Regardless of who wins the fight, this one right here is probably going to be 
one or two of the closest fights on the entire card. With that said, we like the fight going under 1.5 rounds. There will be violence, no distance, and give me a hill by submission. That is the pick. But going to be a good one. And if Mr. Davies pulls it off, it's it's a good win for him. Duffy keeps him going and keeps him undefeated. If Leon Hill gets a win, it's super quality. So both guys, this is a fight that's actually more evenly matched than most of the fight card. But again, give me Leon Hill. Tough customer. Um, the, the Lions here have Hill at plus 102. Davies at minus 122. That's a pick em. I like it. Good price tags. I might just pull the trigger on playing Leon Hill straight up. Let's move on. Second fight on the main card, James Sheehan versus Ali Santalahiti. Oof. Those far names get me. They get me sometimes. <laughs> All right. So James Sheehan versus Ali, a welterweight bout, 170 pounders. James Sheehan, nickname is Jimbo Slice. That's kind of creative when you consider you the Kimbo Slice and Jimbo Slice, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, Mr. Sheehan is six and three overall. You've got Ali at 13 and five. So right off the bat, you see Ali's got a little more experience. Let me give you my pick before we get any further in the breakdown. I do like James Sheehan by decision. So I like him to win. Not sure about a finish. The line currently has Sheehan at minus 278, Ali at plus 225. That makes about sense to me. Yeah. Here's a fight. Classic case of Cage Warriors giving the hometown kid a fighter he can beat, trying to get James on track. James dropped a few. And not the end of the world, still young, but let's build this kid back up a little bit. Let's get him some wins. Let's give him someone that he can beat that also is pretty competitive. I don't think Ali is completely you know, trash by any means, but a fight that James is probably on the side that he's going to win. All right, as for their numbers, Sheehan 6-3 and three out of Ireland. He's six foot two out of Team Rhino MMA. For Ali, 13-5, and five, a little more experience. He's 2-2-1 two, two in his last five. He's from Finland. Two fighters in the card are from Finland. He's 29 years old, not very old by any means. 5'11", 75.6-inch reach from Finn Fighters Gym. As for height, there will be a little bit of a height advantage there for James Sheehan, which I'm not sure how much of that plays into the fight, but at range, in theory, he could have uh, you know a bit of an advantage striking-wise. All right, as for my notes here. All right, so James Sheehan, by decision, is the prediction cage warriors typically gives the hometown fighters winnable matches like i said before this fight is no different Sheehan will open as a large favorite and the crowd will be hyped for his entrance these are my notes before the lines came out so he opens as a minus 278 favorite that's somewhat large i actually expected him to open bigger like minus around 400 or so so i'm i was a little off on that prediction the matchmakers are handing Sheehan a win to help pat his record all right oily Oli? I just call him Oli? Oli? <laughs> Oli's 0-1-1 in his last two fights. That's not good. He won his last fight about a year and a half ago. A glance at his resume reveals an inconsistent win-loss rate. He'll, he'll win one, lose one, win two, lose one. It goes like that back and forth for years. In the last nine matches, which is a five-year time frame, Oli's 5-4-1. In essence, he's barely holding his head above water, and that's the regional scene. The fight where he went to a draw or no contest recently was a weird one. It was a fight where he lost by a split and then they filed some kind of petition and then they overruled it and decided it was just all shady. You see, Ali, look, he just hasn't been fighting <laughs> a very good competition. I feel like the 13 and 5 record's a little misleading. He comes in here with some experience. He looks like he's in good shape and ends up being somewhat of a quality win for James Sheehan. When in reality, I believe that Ali is not the level of someone like Sheehan. Sheehan should win this fight pretty easily. I would like to see him get a finish, but that's one of my biggest critiques on James is that he doesn't have a high finish rate and he needs to improve in that area. He's young though. Maybe we can see a finish here, but I think it's going to be going to decision. So over 1.5 rounds is a spot I like. And then just Sheehan to win as a parlay piece. 
Okay, let's move on to the next fight on the main card. Ryan Shelley. Shelley Belly. Okay, Ryan Shelley. He's squaring off against Jordy Box. Bacchus? B-A-K-K-E-S. I'm, I'm probably saying this. It's probably something like cool, like because or something. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But Ryan Shelley versus Jordy Bacchus. Featherweight bout. 145 pounders. We're going to go with Shelley. Um, we'd like Mr. Shelley to win by round number two submission. Shouldn't be a surprise. He, too, is opening as a favorite at minus 258. You got Jordy Bakes at plus 210. Shelly is eight. I'm sorry, six and one overall. I just gave him two wins he didn't get. Um, from Dublin. There we go. Got the hometown people going. Five foot 11. Team KF Martial Arts is his gym. Jordy Bacchus, not too far from home. Coming from the Netherlands. Five, two and one overall. Three, one and one in his last five. He's 29 years old. Out of CSA Helmand. Okay. As for the details, these two guys, our notes. So Shelly by round two submissions, our pick. Shelly's a hometown fighter and a Cage Warriors prospect, like a guy who's kind of grown up in Cage Warriors. He fought for Cage Warriors Academy as an amateur multiple times. Then as a professional, five of his seven fights as a pro are in Cage Warriors as well. So the guy's obviously like a Cage Warriors, you know, consistent person. They like this kid. They want to keep building them up. The promotion has an investment in him. The ideal scenario is he can, wins a few more fights, gets to call up maybe contender series next year, gets a late call up to the UFC at some point. For Bacchus, a formidable opponent and shouldn't be overlooked by any means in this matchup. With that said, he hasn't fought in about a year and a half. I'm sorry, about, about a year. And his last fight went to a draw. The inactivity and winless Cage Warriors record as a pro are red flags. Now, mind you, Jordy did fight as an amateur in Cage Warriors Academy or whatever. He got a win there. But his only fight as a pro in Cage Warriors, he lost that fight by a... Uh, no, he went to a... Uh, until he draw, he didn't lose it. He just didn't win it. <laughs> anyway, I, I feel like here is the, the prototypical situation where again Ryan is the guy. He's the guy to probably win this fight. Um, but Jordy Bacchus, I keep saying, should not be entirely overlooked. He's plus two ten, probably a live dog here, and I don't want to pass on him altogether and say he can't get it done, which will probably cause me to not be parlaying uh, Ryan Shelley at minus two fifty eight. Got to tell you that the fight does not go the distance, and Shelley by submission will be the props that I'll be keeping an eye on for when they come on up. All right, let's move on. Next fight in the card, Mason Jones, a name that you may recognize, especially for the UFC fans out there. Mason had a, a brief stint in the UFC. Uh, didn't go as planned, and so he got released. And now he's trying to work his way back to the UFC. And he's plenty young, has the opportunity to do that. And Cage Warriors is the perfect platform for him. He was in Cage Warriors before. Now he's going back. Da, da, da. All right. So lightweight bout, 155 pounders. Mason Jones, the dragon, who's 12-2 and two overall against Jan, is it Leas? Elias? Jan Lias, Lias, he's from Luxembourg, 9-2 overall, four, one, four, three, one and 3-1-1 in his last five, I'm sorry. 32 years old for Jan and 28 years old for Mason Jones. Jones is about the same height, 5'10", 5'11", respectively. Jones is out of Pedro Besa, BJJ, and Jan is out of Soko Training Center. Height and reach-wise, again, very comparable, a slight reach advantage there for Jan. And record-wise, these guys have about the same amount of experience. All right, as for my notes on these two fighters, Mason Jones, minus 550 in the line, Jan at plus 410, which is probably an overreaction to their last fights. I like Mason Jones to win the fight. I think they're giving him a good opponent to beat, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, Jan got knocked out the first round of his last fight. Now everyone's like, oh, he got no chin. And Mason got to knock out his last fight. Oh, he's amazing, amazing. He's back in Cage Warriors. I think those are all a little bit overreaction Monday type of thing. We got to calm down with these lines because minus 550 is trappy. It's very trappy. We're not going to parlay anything above minus 500 anyway. That's our rule of thumb here. But that's a trappy line, even though I think he wins. So Mason Jones by round one knockout. When that prop comes out, I'll be looking at that. That'll be a little better for return. But that's my prediction here. Jones fought a few months ago where he got an easy win round one knockout. 
It was his first fight back in Cage Warriors after a run in the UFC. Now, if you went back to our prediction of that knockout or that fight or whatever, whatever, the guy he was fighting was not a formidable opponent, not someone that should be in there with Mason Jones, not someone who could anywhere compete with Mason Jones. And ultimately, Jones just ran through him. Why do they do that? Because Cage Warriors is trying to build him back up real quickly here to get him back to the UFC. They're going to give him fights that he can win. Now, he may fight. His next fight might be someone a little bit better. But it's classic Cage Warriors. Let's build this guy back up. Now, Jones is back in Cage Warriors where he was once a champion, right? He's back at home to, per se. He's here for a little bit of time. The matchmakers is going to keep hooking him up. Now, Lies, though, Elias or Jan, he's a little bit more of a competition. He's a little more of a challenge than the last guy. Regardless, I do think Jones takes care of business. But Jan is not the, the, the last opponent. He's a better opponent. For Jan, enters his fight off an ugly round one knockout loss to Hardwick. That was back in April. Now, what really hurts him with that loss, that's George Hardwick, I believe, right? is that you saw what Hardwick did in August, not too long ago, about a month or so ago. He fought and he lost He lost a decision and did not look good. And I was like, you know, looking back at that fight, thinking George Hardwick knocked out Jan in round one. I'm like, whoa, man. If, if, if you're getting knocked out in round one by the current George Hardwick that we've seen recently, that's not been impressive, I think Mason Jones is going to be a nightmare for Jan. Because right now, I think Mason Jones is, is significantly better than where George Hardwick is right now. So, you know, if I if Lies, if Jan Lies gets finished, I believe it's a round one knockout. Um, because again, it happened to him by Harwick. And I think Mason Jones is a little more impressive, he's a little more aggressive, stronger, better, more experienced, and everything. So I know it's MMA math, and you can't never base it on MMA math completely, because you know that comes back to bite you in the ass. But give me Jones here by a round one knockout. The fight does not see the full distance. And if you want to take a sprinkle on Jan, I would say Jan by you know, into the distance. Something happens, J Mason Jones gets hurt, makes a mistake, gets submitted. Um, those are all possibilities. It's a fight. It's a cage fight, right? Anyway, Mason Jones by knockout. Round number one is the pick. Let's move on. And we're up now to the main event of Cage Warriors 161. It's going to be Paul Hughes versus Jan Quahagans. <laughs> I know I'm saying it not correctly. I, I want to say like Quahay, Quahagans, uh, like double H in there. Anyway, main event, lightweight bout, 155 pounders, Paul Hughes versus Jan Quahagans. And the line currently has Hughes as the biggest, biggest favorite. I just said bigot. <laughs> as the biggest favorite on the card at minus 600. You've got Jan Huygens at plus 440. Is he the biggest favorite? Let me double check here. I, I, there, was, there was another big one in the prelim card, right? Uh, no, it's Nick Bagley. I'm sorry. Nick Bagley minus 650 is the biggest favorite. So Paul Hughes is the second biggest favorite on the card. We should tell you something. We like him to win the fight by decision, though. So interestingly enough, even though we like Paul to win the fight, we're not expecting him to dominate. Main event, but three-rounder. It's not a title fight, right? So some details here. Lightweight bout. Paul's 9-1 overall. 4-1 his last five. He is from Ireland. 5'9 out of Fight Academy, Ireland. For Jan Huygens, who goes by Q-Bomb. All right, Q-Bomb. 11-4 overall. A little more experience. He's from Belgium. 30 years old. 5'11", a little bit taller out of Combat Brothers. Okay. As for my notes here on these two fighters... The main two reasons we're edging Hughes is that he is the hometown fighter and Cage Warriors is trying to build him up. And I mean that with, like, look, I have not watched film on him. I have never seen him fight that I recall. Uh, same thing with Quay Higgins. I'm completely, you know, hey, I'm going <laughs> to call a spade a spade here. I'm not trying to bullshit anybody here. I have not watched these guys fight. But just based upon experience and how Cage Warriors does business, here's a situation where they got the hometown fighter fighting in Ireland. They're giving him a decent opponent. They're trying to build up Paul Hughes. He's undefeated. I mean, a few more wins, he probably gets the call from the UFC. So this is a good matchup.
But if you want to be real, it's kind of a toss up. Like if this fight was being held, I don't know, just a neutral location, premium card somewhere, not cage wars, I don't know, some PFL match or fight, whatever on a premium card, you would be like, yeah, this is like an even fight. It's like almost like almost like pick em range. But but here we have a situation where could all the all the all the cards are being stacked in favor of Paul. The market's now getting way behind him. And it could be a trap, by the way. This this could be the best dog play of the entire card. We'll mention that more about that in a second here. But Quay Higgins will have a height and reach advantage. And it could become a factor if they're striking at range for any kind of long period of time. Now, one of the biggest critiques that we have of Hughes is his declining finish rate. Hughes has been a decision in his last five fights, his last five. Now, in his defense, though, that five-fight stretch for Hughes did include some pretty good competition, some formidable opponents. I bring this up, and I want to underscore it, because if we go to decision, you're going to assume definitely going to get to the hometown fighter. He's in Ireland. All those things are true. I agree. But... <laughs> I am so scarred from recent decisions, the Murata fight with Demopolis, um, that that it just there's things going on in scoring for mixed martial arts. You really don't ever want to put too much of your money behind a fighter who's this big, who's probably going to win by decision. That's the scary part for me, right? So, you know, in his defense, though, again, Paul has fought some good guys. So maybe this guy would be an opportunity for him to get a finish. And I think best case scenario for Paul Hughes he does get a finish here at some point to show people, look, I, I still have those abilities. I've been fighting some tough competition. I get people out of there. Now, as for Quay Higgins, he's 4-1 in Cage Wars. And right there, I was like, oh, okay, wait a second. I had to go back in his resume. I'm like, huh. Why is that relevant? Well, it's not his first rodeo. He's been in Cage Wars a few times, five times to be exact. He's got a 4-1 record. Um, what else does that mean? It means he could hold his own in this organization. That means his skill set matches up really well with the people in this organization. Okay. He's also got a five fight winning streak. Very good. This is a huge opportunity for him. Now, we talked about cage wars and they're padding records of guys that want to move up and obviously get a chance in the UFC. Well, what about a guy like Jan Quay Higgins? What about him? What about him moving up in the rankings in cage wars? What about him getting on UFC's radar with a nice stoppage here of Paul Hughes or just a nice, you know, positive decision win, right? So for me, depending on the lines, here's a quote from this breakdown before, this is, this is a quote from the breakdown before the lines came out. Depending on the lines, Quay Higgins might be an interesting underdog play. At plus 440, hell yeah, he's interesting. So I'm going to find a way to have Quan, Quan, I just call him Quan. Why am I making this guy's making his name? Jan. Finding way, I'm going to find a way to get Jan Quay Higgins into a ticket by himself at plus 440. I'm going to look closely at the methods of victory to see if we could find anything else besides, besides possibly a decision. But overall, don't be too selfish, right? Don't be too greedy. I mean, plus 440 is plenty of a return. This could even go wider. We could see Hughes maybe reach up to minus 700 by the time the money comes in because parlay people are going to be just throwing them in there. Throw them in the weekend parlays with the baseball, the basketball, the football, the hockey, the UFC, all the different things going on this weekend. You're going to see minus 600. And a lot of casual mixed martial arts betters, and I say casual, like people use that word, like they're trying to be mean. I, if you're not following the sport heavily, even if you don't follow Cage Warriors heavily, you see the line, you're like, oh, this seems to be a safe spot. I'm here to tell you, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. As I'm telling you, I think Paul Hughes wins by decision. I think Jan Quay Higgins might be the dog of the card and someone to keep an eye on. One thing to consider, by the way, this is important. If you're parlaying Cage Warriors on Saturday afternoon, this fight's at the end of the fight card. UFC will be backing up this event, like coming up right after the event's over because they never overlap with Cage Wars. But if you're looking to like bail out of this main event and you want to go and hedge bet Jan Hui Higgins at the end of the night or the end of the afternoon, 
like you're about to start, you know, start UFC soon. And you've had a good run there in Cage Wars and all your different parlays have hit. And the last leg is Paul Hughes. And you want to hedge out, as they say, with Jan and put a bet on him at the last minute. You won't have that ability on DraftKings. Okay, so I'm going to warn you guys. And it depends on what state you're at. But I'm talking from like the New York, New Jersey, the Northeast United States. If you wait too long, that Quay Hagen's, that Quay Hagen's uh, hedge bet won't be available. So if you're going to put a wager on Quay Hagen's, I would say get that done. Get it done in enough time. Otherwise, once the fights start with cage warriors, there's been times where like the first fight starts and they boom, they black out the rest of the card. So I'm not sure how your book works, but just you know, some food for thought. But give me Paul Hughes to win the fight and win the fight by decision. All right. On that note, boys, let me go ahead here and do a quick summary of our picks. The card opens up with Nick Bagley versus Michael Quinn. We like Nick Bagley by round one submission. Next up, we have Solomon Hill versus Marco Saras Jarvie. We like Solomon Hill by round two knockout. Sean Clancy Jr. versus Milton Cabral. We like Sean Clancy Jr. by round one knockout. Jer Harris versus Ryan Hewitt. Give me Jer Harris by round one submission. Taka Mahandu versus Alexander Pirev. Give us Taka Mahandu by round one knockout. Patty McCory versus Samir Khadi. We like Patty McCory by round one submission. Up to the main card, Iowan Davies versus Leon Hill. We're going to go with Leon Hill by round one submission. Up next, James Sheehan versus Ali Santa Lahiti. We like James Sheehan by decision. Ryan Shelley versus Jordy Bacchus. Give us Ryan Shelley by round two submission. The co-main event, Mason Jones versus Jan Lies. Give us Mason Jones by round one knockout. And up to the main event, Paul Hughes versus Jan Quahagans. Like Paul Hughes by decision. Those are your swift picks for Cage Warriors 161. Good luck this weekend. Yeah. Shady. Aftermath. Gee, you nick, you nick. Damn, baby, all I need is a little bit a little bit of this, a little bit of that Get it cracking in the club when you hit the shit Drop it like it's hot, get the work in that back Girl, shake that thing, here, work that thing Let me see it go up and down Rotate that thing, I wanna touch that thing When you make it go round and round Step up in the club, I'm like, who you with? See you need in the house, yeah, that's my clip Yeah, I'm young, but a nigga from the old school On the dance floor, a nigga doing old movies I don't give a fuck, I do what I want to I hit your ass up, boy, I don't want you Better listen when I talk, nigga, don't trip Yo, heat in the car, mine's in this bitch I ain't tryna be, but tryna get my drink on And my diamonds, my fitted, and my mink on I'ma kick it at the bar till it's time to go And I'ma get shorty here, and I'ma let her know All a nigga really need is a little bit Not a lot 